Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey guys, this is Haley and you're listening to episode 148 of Kindled. Today I have an excellent conversation with Annalise of Feminine Not Feminist, the Instagram account that has blown up since this summer. And we are going to be talking all about the difference between biblical femininity and secular feminism. There's quite a few differences, but we're going to break that down and just compare and contrast the two, what they look like, and sort of dissect some of the cultural messages that we are seeing today regarding femininity, girl power, all that kind of stuff. Before we jump into that conversation, I want to let you know about a couple announcements. Number one, if you have not left a review for Kindled, I would love if you would do that. It just takes about a minute. You can do that in the Apple Podcasts app. Leave a star rating and a few words of why you listen to Kindled or what you appreciate about the episodes and the content here. That just helps the algorithm. Share it with more people. The other thing I want to mention is our Patreon community. I started a few months ago and it has just been growing like crazy the last few months. We are up to 45 women and what it what this community is is a, a community of like-minded women, Christians, believers who see the world largely the same way through a biblical lens and want to learn about the world, everything that's going on, uh, their faith, cultural topics, things in the news. They want to learn about that from a biblical worldview and then discuss it with other women. And that is exactly what we're doing in there. So every Friday, I produce a solo episode that airs inside of the Patreon app just for them. And then once a month, we hop on a live private Zoom call where we talk about the things that we're all walking through. It could be things in regards to our faith, friends, family, church, culture, really anything goes. This past week, we did our first one. And so we started it off with some icebreakers, got to know each other a little bit, uh, just had a little bit of fun, lighthearted conversation. And then we jumped into a really deep conversation about church and how some of the women um, have just struggled to find uh, a really gospel preaching biblical church in the last year as shutdowns happened, as churches closed their doors, refused to open. Um, and, And we were able to just encourage one another and share some of the questions that maybe we ha- we brought to our pastors when we were engaging with them in conversation about this and um and it was just such an encouraging fun time i mean it we we went over we're shooting for an hour and it, we went 90 minutes cuz it was just you know it was just a natural organic conversation that um it felt like you were talking to old friends you know cuz you know how that when you are trying to build new friendships, you often don't know how deep you can go without running into differences of thought or worldview. You, you're trying to tread lightly and, and slowly, slowly kind of, you know, delving into deeper and deeper topics. Well, this group is different because we're all starting from a place of knowing that we all see the truth of the Bible as paramount to our lives. We 
we trust God's word to be inerrant and we want to interpret what we are seeing through what he has said, not through what the world and culture says. So when you start from that place, you can actually get into a deep conversation like in two seconds flat because you're not trying to deal with the small talk and all of that, which if you're anything like me is just wearisome. And I don't, I don't, I don't have time for that. I want to get to the good stuff. I want to have meaningful conversations with other women. And so this is just a blessing to me. And I think it could be a blessing to you too, if that is something that you're looking for in your life. So that's my long pitch for our Patreon community. It's 10 bucks a month. You can join and learn more at patreon.com slash kindled podcast. All right, here's my conversation with Annalise. Thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So before we get started, I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners. Tell us who you are and what you do. So um, I'm 23 years old. I've been married for almost three years in May. And um, I have a page called Feminine Not Feminist that I started back in June. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just a way to start documenting lessons I was learning as a woman and specifically in marriage, just sharing things that were on my heart. Mm-hmm. people started to resonate with it. Um, and I found that there was this whole community of people seeking to live more biblical lives, specifically biblical womanhood. Um, and so, you know, I just kind of jumped in, not really knowing what I was getting myself into. Mm-hmm. And then I realized this is a whole thing with a lot of different, like, subcultures within that. So yeah, yeah, this is, that's how I got started. And it's been like seven, eight months or so. And yeah. and your account is currently at 25,000 followers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, it exploded. I, I, I know I was not expecting that. <laughs> so yeah. that's wild. I mean, it's, it's awesome. I think it's great. And I, I want to say that I, I hope this is the the truth. And the reason is that people are like starving for truth right now. People are like, they, they're soaking it up when they see it because it is getting harder and harder to come by. And they are like, something in them is so aware of the brokenness that they're looking at and beholding every day in the headlines and in the media, and just even in their relationships. And they're like, this is not it. And, and yet Maybe they don't, you know, know where to go to find what it is. And so then when they see it, it's like that, that they recognize it and they just, they're like, oh my gosh, yes, give it to me. You know, that's totally. And that I, I I hear that all the times in DMS and stuff like that. It's just like, oh my goodness, this is the breath of fresh air. This is like, yeah, that's what I hear a lot. I hear the same thing. Breath of fresh air. Yes. Thank you for saying this. Like, and it's, it's great. You're like, I mean. The, the the funny thing is it's almost a little bit sad because you're like, actually, I don't have to be a genius to, right. to actually be like a rarity today. It's, I just have to say what is true, you know? And, and it's like, I don't have to be incredibly intelligent or super right. wise to, to make people go, oh my gosh, yes, that's it. They're just like, someone please just say the quiet part out loud that everybody knows yes, like yes. women are women, men are, men. you know, like that there is no gender fluidity is a lie. Like this is, or this is part right. of the brokenness of the world. It's not how it was meant to be, you know? Yeah. So totally. man, we could probably talk all about that. Um, yeah. 
but I do, yeah, I do want to get into a conversation with you today about biblical femininity versus worldly feminism. Um, and you know, to, to have that conversation, we need to actually first talk about what does the Bible say about us as women? What, what, uh, what are we, who are we and who are, yeah. who are we created to be? Because the world right now can't answer that question. They do not know. They, they really are struggling. They're trying all different kinds of ways to answer and find different things that they think feel good when discussing womanhood or femininity. And, and we've seen that just even since the rise of feminism, seeking to find what is it that women are? What are they meant to have? What are they meant to do and be? And we've gone further and further and further from the truth. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, so getting, getting started, let's talk about biblical femininity and womanhood. What, what are those, what are those things from your perspective? Like when someone asks you that, like, what do you mean by biblical femininity? What do you, where do you start? What do you say to them? Um, so, I mean, to have that discussion could be an entire podcast in and of itself because yeah. the Bible does have a lot to say. Um, and the verse that is just ringing in my mind right now is, um, and I, I can't quote it. I'm sorry, but um, it's for women. For man was not created for women, but women for man. And to even say that is really controversial. I'm sorry. I'm gonna um, have to kick you off my podcast now because it's obviously <laughs> sexist. So, and you know, it's it's you know, God said it. I'm just delivering that message. Um, but yeah, that we have entirely lost that that understanding. And also people will take that verse and say, so you're saying that I exist like as a slave, they'll jump to this straw man, um, you know, caricature of that. And you're like, all right, let's, let's break this down. Like, uh, in the beginning, Adam was not complete without Eve. God made Mm -hmm. Eve. He brought him to it. And, um, from the very creation of women, she was called to be a helper. Mm-hmm. So this, this can apply if you're not married to women are at their best and they're most capable when they have roles of service and supporting. And even if you think about the garden with Adam, like his mm-hmm. job was to tend the garden and Eve was to come alongside and help him cultivate. Yeah. So there's yeah. the creativity, the helping, the service. Life-giving, yeah. Yes. Fruitfulness, so. right. And that verse that you mentioned, for anyone who's wondering, uh, is 1 Corinthians 11, 9. Uh, and actually, or 11, 8. Um, it starts here. For man did not come from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. Um so just in case anyone was questioning if that was actually in the Bible, <laughs> it is in the Bible. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I think what you're saying is, is uh, exactly right. It's an incredibly, you know, controversial mess- message or, or uh, sentiment to express today. And um, yet I think that, uh, I, I think that anytime we get away from the purpose for which God created something, we do see the degradation of it. That's just Mm -hmm. what's going to happen. And that is exactly what's happening with women is we have not, we have not liked, you know, what, what God said we were created for, um, and, and how we were created to be. And so we have gone our own way and now we are seeing the complete degradation and devaluation and destruction 
of women all together. Wow. Now that there is really no such thing to even be a woman. I'm getting ahead of myself though, because we're yeah. going to talk about that. But um, I do want to add that when you were talking about, uh, when, when you're talking about that women were created for men, I think we need to be clear in saying we are both equally valuable and have dignity in the image of God because we we're both made in the image of God. Um, and he, he saw fit, like God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make him a helper. He saw fit to create both man and woman to express his image through. And so we do both image God in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it, but just because we have the same dignity and value and worth in the sight of God, doesn't mean we have the same role or the same part to play, you know? And so, um, that's something that people really struggle with. They, they, they really equate equality, um, of value sameness. and worth as, yes, as sameness in, in all aspects. Right. And that's just not, we see the Bible differentiating that saying, no, you're both made in my image. Uh, you're here to glorify me. We both have, uh, you know, the same directive from God to follow in terms of how to, how to live a godly life. We seek God godliness. We're both heirs. Uh, of God and co-heirs with Christ, as Romans eight seventeen says, and we're both supposed to be taking up our cross daily and following Christ. So those are things that we we have a lot of commonalities that we share in terms of our our mission here on earth. But how we achieve that is different, and in, in, in the ways that we go about that. Yeah, can I say something about that? Yeah. Um, because you, I love what you said about how man and woman both reflect the image of God in these different ways. And then I would say even more specifically, we reflect the life of Christ in different ways because mm-hmm. Christ is both a leader and a king and also a, a, a humble servant. Yeah. He, um, you know, so a man and, you know, a husband can look at Christ and say, wow, that sacrificial leadership that laying down his life for the bride that he loves like you know it he demonstrates what it's you know what biblical manhood is and then also we as women can see um you know his servanthood his you know not only thinking of himself being willing to sacrifice his time sacrifice his energy to serve other people and so not just i mean I just think in, in Christ, because Christ is the image of the invisible God, we further see the different roles played out. And that is just so beautiful to me. So true. Yeah. The submission that he had to his father's will <laughs> to go to the cross. I mean, and he he even asked, like, if if there be any other way, you know, but ultimately he did submit to the father's will because he knew that that was what he had to do. And we see that, you know, that submission and and I think what you just said a word, uh, strength, you said helper. And I was listening to, maybe you didn't say strength. Maybe you did. I don't remember. I was listening to a, a deal. I'll link it in the show notes, but it was from redeeming grace church on biblical femininity. It was like a, a seminar they had. And, um, and the guy shared an excellent, um, hold on. Let me, let me find the quote. Is redeeming uh, grace church. Is that Costy Hens Church? No, that's a Redeemer Bible. Redeemer Bible. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There you go. Um, well, I think, okay, so there's two things. One, he he made a distinction that the word helper is it implies strength, 
you know, to be a helper, you have to be strong. Like think about if, you know, I have three kids that the oldest is six. I mean, when I ask for her help, it's because I know she's capable. I want her to be able to do something and I want her to, to help me. It's not because Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's not like a, a fake fill in, fill in the, the gap with nothingness. You know, it's, it's literally because, Hey, I need your help. Like you're capable and I need you to help around the house, or I need you to help clean up, or I need you to help watch your sister, like whatever it may be. That's, that's indicative that I have, like, I, I have some, some trust in her capacity and her capability, and I know she can do it. And so I think that sometimes we, all, all we think about when we hear help is secondary, subsidiary, subservient submission addition yeah yeah, these really negative connotation words that we think i'm just the helper like i don't want to be the helper i want to be the leader i want to be in charge and it's like but the help the helpmate is is very strong like you and you Mm -hmm. have to be strong in order to actually help the man carry out his mission which was to have dominion over the earth right and then for us as a couple to be fruitful and multiply um so, so there's that. And then there was another quote that I wanted to share, um, by Matthew Henry. And he said, the woman was made out of a rib or the woman was made of a rib out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him under his arm to be protected and near his heart to be beloved. I thought that was great. Yeah, that's beautiful. I've I've heard that. And actually my pastor just quoted that oh, like recently. Yeah. Um yeah, amen. <laughs> so why um let's see, why do you think that the world struggles so much with this definition and this concept? Because it used to be some of the things we're talking about used to be mainstream, right? Didn't they used to be kind of more of a cultural for cu- cultural Christians, like there was just this this model maybe had been passed down and it was sort of presumed to be good that women would, uh, you know, be mothers in the home. And I, I, that doesn't preclude them from any work outside the home, but there was, there was some sort of dignity and, um, uh, I don't know, a, a good light mm-hmm. on that. And now today that's just like spat upon really, like it, mm-hmm. it would be insulting to say, you should mother your children. You should, you know, it would be like, well, no, how dare you tell me what to do? You know, what, what, what happened? Yeah. Um, I mean, we have to go back to the beginning where because of the curse of sin, God says your desire shall be for your husband and he will rule over you. It's not saying, oh, you're going to desire your husband so much. That's not a curse. It's saying your desire will be to take the place of your husband, but he will rule over you. So knowing that, what we're seeing today is not anything that has been different in the heart of women, because this is the curse has started at, from the beginning and continues. But we are seeing, like you mentioned, that like the mass societal shift. Um, yeah. And so it's kind of like what was internal is now openly celebrated, applauded and normalized. Mm-hmm. Um And, you know, we've lost a sense of objectivity as a culture. And so I think that ties in really well with the discussion of feminism, because if as a culture, you no longer believe in right and wrong, or maybe you believe in right and wrong, but it's up to you, you know, Mm -hmm. um, then 
any discussion of what a woman is or isn't is completely irrelevant. You bring, well, this is what a woman ought to do. And even that word is completely foreign in our culture. Um, talking like that because objectivity has been really discarded. I mean, it, it's been going on for several years, but, um, and I couldn't give a date as to when things really began to slide. But um, I think as third wave feminism started to emerge and discussions of subjectivity in other realms of life, Mm -hmm. and and then it's just part and parcel so I don't know if that really made sense but no it did yeah you you just mentioned something that some listeners may not be familiar with and uh that was third wave third wave feminism um I don't want to get into a deep history today in this episode of you know the progression of feminism but but I think it might be important to mention what the you know what the differences have been from like first wave feminism to today, what it means to be a feminist, um, because the definition has changed and totally the, has, the yeah. movement has changed. And um, do you want to do you want to try and tackle that in in like a paragraph or so? Yeah, I'll say just a. I think what's key to understanding third wave feminism is that it is distinctly Marxist because mm-hmm. it plays upon the idea of an oppressed class and an oppressor class. And so, in this case, of feminism, women are oppressed men or the patriarchy are the oppressors. So as whereas it may have begun with, you know, women voting, you know, normalizing certain, yeah, property rights, whatever, Mm -hmm. which is a separate discussion. But whereas it may begun with that, um, it is more- You and I would agree with that. You and I would would agree that's fine. I would not have been uh, the woman holding signs personally. That Mm -hmm. would have not been something I Mm -hmm. I really, but anyway, um, it is morphed from that to a a distinctly Mm -hmm. Marxist um, category of ideology where there is the good guy and the bad guy. Mm -hmm. And the only way to fix that is to take the the oppressed person and flip the roles. And that's what we're seeing with what is third wave feminism. It's not equality, it's overcoming or or, Mm -hmm. or usurping, Um, so. That's a great word. That is what it is. It's yeah, uh, usurpment. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I hadn't actually thought of it in terms of the third wave truly being Marxist. And that's so interesting. Well, it's, it's Marxist because um, if you take women out of the homes and then you're sending other people in or, or the, the children are going to the schools and they're getting indoctrinated by the schools mm-hmm. and then they become indoctrinated by the state that is the main agenda or one of the main agendas of Marxism is to destroy the family unit. And how do you do that? You get women out of the homes and how do you get women out of the homes? You tell them that it's a lulling. You tell them that they are being oppressed. Mm. So then you get them out. The the state comes in, takes your children. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. You cut out. What did you say after takes your children? Oh, takes your children, raises them. That's Marxism. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I would not have also been one of the women holding the signs. However, I don't have a moral issue with, you know, women voting or having, being able to own property. I, I think that that's, that's good. 
I um, voted. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And, and, uh, and I hope that if, you know, if my husband were to die, I'd be able to own our house, yeah, our house outright. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I don't have a problem with that, but, but as far as, totally, um, totally. As far as the kind of the propensity that it, we all have, we know because of the fall, there is a propensity to usurpment, taking what is not ours, uh, you know, grasping after being like God back in the garden, grasping after the authority that our husband has been given by God, which God said we would want to do. And now we clearly see that that is what women want. And it's been so sneakily offered to women by the devil. I know it's his plan and his, his agenda that we're seeing worked out, obviously, but he's just so good at distorting truth and, and, and twisting it just enough to make it sound like still good, but yes. because it's distorted, it's, it's all bad. You know, this, this lie that your, your role as a mother was not good enough or your role in the home or your role under your husband or your role, um, you know, in the body of Christ was, it just wasn't good enough. It wasn't enough. It, uh, there was something more that someone wanted, they were holding something back from you. And if only you could get that yeah. thing, if only you could just reach that next level or break that glass ceiling or whatever the language is, then you would be fulfilled. Then you would experience wholeness or, um, or freedom or whatever, you freedom, know, yeah. that's liberation. Yes. Liberation. It's just, it's such the lie. Um, but how do you see that being worked out today? How do you see all of those distortions and the, these half truths? Like what, what are some of the ways that we're seeing that play out as they have kind of progressed? Yeah. So I think what's interesting is that, so we talked about women being, you know, offered this promise of, you know, when you leave to be oppressed, you'll be liberated, you'll make your own money, blah, blah, blah. But what's, what they're not saying is that you'll go, come out of one person's authority and you'll come under someone else's authority. Um, and so you're not actually seeing now, obviously there's like women becoming CEOs, which is fine. Like that's fine. So that is breaking that glass ceiling or whatever. Um, but they, they haven't, the world cannot, destroy the concept of submission it can only shift around the characters one of the lies that satan told eve is that you will be like god knowing good from evil right and that is the lie of many things it's making yourself god but it's it's autonomy and it's independence and so you know if you know everything you're not under the authority of god anymore you've elevated yourself mm -hmm. to god um and I see this push for independence is, you know, that's what liberation is couched in is being free from men, being free mm -hmm. from any kind of force that might, that, that you have to answer to any kind of authority. Um, and so the reason that, you know, in the home, that is the most odious authority um, to feminists mm -hmm. um, and goes back to the curse. Your desire will be for your husband. He will roll over you. So I just think kind of viewing it through the lens of the desire for autonomy, independence, then you start seeing it everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. not that it's wrong, 
for a woman, like I work outside of the home. I, I'm not, you know, like a boss babe or whatever. Like I work at a coffee shop, but it's, it's not that that's wrong. But if I was neglecting my home duties for that and I was elevating and idolizing this independence of my lifestyle over the good of those that mm-hmm. God has given to me, that's when everything gets twisted and screwed up. So, but that right there that you just said is so like, is so countercultural that if you said that in a room full of just average people, you would be, <laughs> you know, you would be hated and you would be told like, you are sexist. Yep. You're a woman hater. You've been indoctrinated and you are, I mean, even just saying like that you should, you know, put your, you know, your needs second, for instance, over those that God's entrusted you, or, um, I don't know, maybe that's not the right way of phrasing it, but just the idea that you should care about anyone else's well being than your own. It's so anti yeah. like, Rachel Hollis, you know, just like get what you need, you know, you deserve it. Prioritize um, yourself, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like if anyone gets in your way, like they are toxic and you get them out of your life. So that's like, okay, so your kids and your husband and oh, by the way, your entire family and your friends, because like, yeah, people get in your way. People obstruct your ability to get whatever you want in the moment all the time. Like, I mean, come on, that's yeah. literally life. So how does that work? You end up alone. Is that the goal? Is the goal to just end up alone and, and miserable? Because that just it doesn't I mean that that is the that is though what is is celebrated is the mm-hmm. I, I hate to say it but like the divorced 40 yeah. something year old woman with her cats who's you know sipping wine and yeah. um you know free from her mm-hmm. marriage or whatever and that yet yeah, that is elevated and I look at that and I'm like that's really sad mm-hmm. um I want to be surrounded by children that I've taken care of that love me by my husband by like anyway so yeah the kind of to go back to that that thing with hidden knowledge the other thing is and this gets into new agey kind of stuff um but there is kind of like Rachel Hollis kind of stuff you mentioned uh what I'm gonna call self-actualization is Mm -hmm. the um psychological term for it or whatever but it's this idea that you discovering yourself, finding yourself, making yourself who you want to be is the highest goal. You know, it, and so if that means you have to kill your child because they're getting in the way, then you go have an abortion. If that means you need to get a divorce because it's not serving your truest self, Mm -hmm. get a divorce. If that means, um, you know, neglecting your home duties going out and pers- making it big in the corporate world, but you don't do that because self is the idol and anything that does not bow down to that is just cut out. Mm. So, yeah, that's so true that the whole self-actualization self like realization, even manifest the life that you want, all of that language, right. that's where it leads. And I don't think that necessarily everyone who says that knows that that's where it leads or is it, that's what they want. Even I have friends that would say, um, you know, that we can, I should say not close friends. I, I know people who would, would 
be proponents of the idea that you can manifest your own reality, you know, but yes. ultimately what that leads to, because there's a Christian version of that too, of like, you know, decree and declare, you know, right, right, <laughs> declare right. into existence, the life you want to see and God is going to bless it and <laughs> abundance, it and abundance. It. Right. Yeah. Yes. And, and so there's the Christian version, the secular version, whatever, but all it is, is like, all it is, is basically saying the flesh reigns and is God <laughs> and we we obviously see where that led adam and eve to bringing death into the whole world and and so that is where that's going to lead you and i as well as individuals is to death the wages of sin is death that is we we guarantee every time and so i feel like we are just seeing the um i mean not to make not to make the day and age we're living in seem like the worst there's ever been because there has Mm -hmm. been days and ages before that were incredibly evil we know child sacrifice was in the bible like right you know that's still happening in some countries you know and so i'm not trying to like over dramatize but at the same time um in the west what we are seeing is is almost really truly like we're devolving back into that because yes we've had we've had this like christian worldview or this influence from judeo-christian values and biblical ideals in our culture for so long for several hundred years. And, and now that we have shoved God back out and we've said, no, we don't want you. We don't want your values or your rules or your stifling way of life. We are actually devolving back into child sacrifice. It's just called abortion. And we're going back into like the dark ages of just, just wickedness. And I mean, it's just, it's sickening, but it's, it almost, it's the same thing. It just has a different, um, it's more sophisticated. Yes. It's the yes. outward veneer is couched in science and advancement and progress. Right. And right. it's no different. Absolutely. It totally has the label. Yeah. Advancement and progress. And that's how he yeah. sells it today in this day and age. That makes, yeah. Wow. It's kind of scary. Um, so uh, the difference between, let's talk about the difference between feminism and femininity, because uh, you're a big proponent of biblical femininity. And and that, again, you're just a really controversial person these days because a lot of people don't want to hear that there is anything different about being a woman, right? There's there's nothing different. But then at the same time, we've got, well, I'm a transgender woman now. You know, if you got men who are transitioning to women. So I'm like, well, if there's nothing different, then why do you need to transition? You know, what, what right. is it you're transitioning to exactly, you know? Woo, yeah. So what is feminism truly? And what is femininity? Yeah. Um, you know, I, to summarize that I have a few posts that kind of talk about this, but my very, very condensed synopsis is, you know, feminism says I deserve this, give this to me. Biblical femininity says everything is a gift. I don't deserve anything. And I'm just grateful. And, um, that is, if you look at what feminism has devolved into, there is no end to the demands because as soon as one right is given, Mm -hmm. something else takes its place and they're storming the streets and, um, and, and then that is taken care of. You can't, the mob never stops. Once you walk down the path of entitlement, there is absolutely no end. Once you go down the path of gratefulness, there's also no end, but it's a much brighter path. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's a little bit more of an, like an ideological look at the difference between the two. 
things. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's really like just in my own life when I am caving into more feminism, feministic things, feministic ways of thinking, mm. it's all about me. And it's all about, I want, I need, I deserve, I am entitled to. Uh, whereas I, when I lean into what God says about me as a woman, it's overflowing gratefulness, mm-hmm. not entitlement. Uh, because I look at, you know, all that God has done in my life, what he's done for me in Christ and the gospel. It's like, whoa, mm-hmm. I'm just thankful, you know? Um, and so I, I think a chief virtue of femininity is gratefulness and the chief vice of feminism is entitlement. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of boils down to those two things roughly. So, yeah, that's great. I think what's interesting is we've seen that you were describing, you know, feminist, feminist entitlement and that idea that kind of was there at the beginning of feminism, which you and I would maybe say, sure, you know, there was a, maybe a, a, a extent to which their women were, um, unfairly, you know, oppressed, maybe isn't the right word, but just did not have the rights that they should have as citizens of a country, you know, mm-hmm. um, being an equal worth and value as a man, but that, that are, that we would not say that that's bucking the biblical system of the family or of the church or male headship, but rather like, Hey, like I'm, I'm a citizen too. I should get to vote on who is president. Okay. So that part I agree with, but the entitlement you know, ultimately is, uh, is self-centeredness and sin it's rooted in sin. Uh, it's just a fancy word for, for sin ultimately. And so thinking that we deserve something that we don't deserve or should have something that we shouldn't have and not having an attitude of uh, that silly attitude of gratitude, hate that true. Um, and so what that ultimately led to, which is we're seeing today in 2021 it's kind of ironic because the feminist desire for, for, you know, take what is yours, get yours, take what you want. We codified that as a culture, as feministic ideals kind of permeated the culture, even the church. And now what's happened is other groups have seen that, like, let's say, um, you know, transgender or uh, queer basically the entire LGBTQ movement has taken that and said, yeah, cool. Okay. You wanted what you wanted and you took it and you got it for yourself. Mm. We're going to do the same thing. And by doing that, they've actually stepped on the feminist toes because feminists are all about women are unique. Women should, you know, be women celebrated and and women should have all the same rights as men. Women should be treated as men. But what, what's happened now is like that, that very root sin has now been translated to other groups. They're pursuing the same thing. And now because of that, feminists are actually um, finding themselves on the sides of the side of conservatives in the sense that they want females to be able to play on sports teams together without biological males. Like that's mm-hmm. now, like that's now the new battle, which is so funny. Cause it's like, well, feminists, like the problem, you guys don't realize that you brought it in because you you said sin was good. You said, you yeah. said, you said that the flesh was, was God. And what happens is you lead to the destruction of whatever it is you, you really value. And they didn't realize that because obviously they weren't following a biblical life. And, and now, now they're like, I've heard interviews and podcasts from feminists, true feminists who would, or not Christians on, you know, conservative podcasts who are like, 
what, what happened? Like, no, this is Mm. wrong. We shouldn't have biological males competing in women's sports. This is like against everything I believe in, you know, like, cause now it's it's nothing to be a woman, you know? So that's like maybe what you'd call classic feminism, maybe. And then the other stuff uh, that is interwoven with queer, transgender, all that, that would be like intersectional feminism okay, yeah. <laughs> um, because it's very inclusive and um, kind of throws out really this like women are distinct and just yeah. like, okay, we invite everybody who wants to identify in one way, shape or form. And mm-hmm. so that is where I believe the term intersectionality, intersectional feminism arose from because, Mm. well, I also believe that, you know, um, if a man says he's a woman, he's a woman. So I guess Mm -hmm. I have to include, you know, yeah, that's kind of the, that makes sense. So there's really categories within feminism that do not see eye to eye. Yeah. And I, I didn't, I mostly see the uh, behaviors of intersectional feminists. Like if you, mm-hmm. if you are just scrolling or on yeah, TV Instagram's or full of that. Yeah. It's full of that. Um, just the very subjective stuff. And I'm not really seeing a whole lot of the classical classical, like ones who would affirm biological mm-hmm. differences that I don't know, that's kind of to the wayside at this point in terms yeah. of mainstream media. That's true. It's not really, you don't see it in the media. I I think those people exist, but they have become so fringe and they've been so marginalized by their own movement that they're like, I don't even know where I belong because now I'm on conservative podcasts because I've heard these people and they're like, wow, they recognize that there are biological differences and they're like, this is not what I wanted. I didn't want the abolishment of, or the abolition of, of all gender. I wanted the elevation of my gender. But the problem yeah. is, you know, when you elevate one thing over where it should be, you end up with the abolition of it, you know, because it's not, that isn't what God made it to be. It, not better than or more than, but different. And so, yes, ugh, it's such a mess, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> well, because then they see this problem, but the lie is that feminism is the answer to it. Um, because like you said, they started, they got the train rolling, they got the ball rolling. And then they're like, wait, it went way farther than we meant to. Mm -hmm. And yet it was corrupt from its inception. If it's built on entitlement and usurpment. Totally. Yeah. That's, that's what I was trying to get to. You just said it. It was, it was basically doomed from the start, you know? Yeah. Because it was, yeah. I, I think we covered that. Um, so, okay. What do you, you know, we talked about um, the, the intersectional feminism and Marxist, you know, aspects to the movement, which really makes a lot of sense to me. I had not thought of that. What other kind of outworkings are you seeing today with feminism? I know in the news, we even have just crazy stuff going on with hospitals telling uh, nurses to refer to breastfeeding as chest feeding. I mean, we see all kinds of just insanity that I'm like, I, I honestly have stopped being surprised. I I'm not surprised anymore by anything I read. I'm disgusted, but I'm just not surprised. Yeah. So honestly, the mutilation of one's own body is an outworking and, um, you know, like beautiful Western art that has this kind of objective kind of standard of what is 
I don't know. I wouldn't say it's it's the standard of beauty. It's just people respecting themselves. And that's kind of displayed. And so the sense of self-respect and upholding one's own appearance in a way that is God honoring has devolved into full-blown mutilation. Um, so obviously getting your sex changed is like the fruition of that. But we no longer have a standard of health. <laughs> so um, obviously not saying health is a one size fits all thing. Right. Um, but the, uh, oh, you're fat phobic, the, mm -hmm. uh, you know, obese positive, whatever. It's like, yeah. it's a whole thing. Um, but it's like, you can't even say anymore. And I believe this is totally interwoven with feminism, but you can't even refer to things being objectively better. Um, everything is the same. So this is why <laughs> this might be a tangent. You might have to edit this out because I'm kind of just talking a lot, but Sorry, um, that's, all, that's all I do here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but you'll see like, and again, this is controversial that if you see like the before when I was a feminist versus ex-feminist, there's a certain kind of pride that people take in their appearance and upholding their femininity once they leave the feminist movement. And so I, I truly believe that feminism internally causes one to disrespect oneself. And when you have an understanding of being made in the image of God and being a woman, there's a certain pride, a good sense of pride mm -hmm. and self-respect that comes from that knowledge. And, you know, just the understanding that I want to take care of myself mm -hmm. is because I have something to live for. That's greater than me. I care about my husband. I want to take care of myself for my husband. I, my body is a temple of the Holy spirit. I want to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. The even self-respect, which feminism mm -hmm. claims to uphold has been eroded because it's not about being made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. It's not about, you know, caring for the people around you. Um, and so it actually has this very degrading effect on women. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a tangent, yeah. but no, I don't really think it's that much of a tangent. I think it's, it's exactly right. And I think you see that, um, in so many aspects, like you're talking about with whether it is how you, you care for your appearance or, you know, you respect your body or you, uh, and, and obviously not in a way that is obsessive or idolizes yourself or whatever, no. uh, you know, but just that, that I am something of value and that I have a purpose that was given to me and that beauty is, is something I can create. And it's a good God given gift that I would want to cultivate a home that is welcoming to people and hospitable mm -hmm. and, you know, create an environment for my family, whether that's by playing music or lighting candles or, you know, refreshing the decor when it's the right. Then like all of these things are good things. They're gifts. They're not things that we should mock or uh, sneer at, but it does become um, something that is laughable in the face of this movement that just devalues and disintegrates everything that it means to be a woman. Um, and obviously I think we, we, we know, I hope everyone listening knows that it's okay. If you're, you don't feel like you're the best decorator or you're the best. Entertainer. I don't decorate. We yeah. have one map in our house <laughs> yeah. and it's cause I like world maps. Yeah. I don't decorate. I yeah. seldom wear makeup. Don't do mm -hmm. my hair. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'm not speaking from this like cookie sure. cutter femininity that is right. like 
it, but there's just this aspect of um, this, and again, this is a tangent, but as postmodernism has eroded the concept of ob objectivity and everything has become subjective, then anything goes. And you see this with art. Art used to be amazing. Now it's like a broomstick hanging from a ceiling, dripping ashes, you know, and that's right. considered beautiful. And or, or a bloody, a bloody yeah. tampon, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look at that. That's just amazing. So you see it in right. art, you see it in philosophy because now people are just nihilists. You see it um, with music. You know, how did we go from Beethoven to like that guy that rings a, a gong in the Czech Republic every nine seconds? And it's like, this is amazing, right? Mm -hmm. So the complete loss of objectivity and it goes and it has gone back to ourselves that we no longer mm -hmm. have that self-respect, cultivating our homes, cultivating ourselves. Uh, Francis Schaeffer has a really good book on this where he just talks about the spheres of society that have eroded because mm -hmm. of um, the postmodern nihilistic mm -hmm. subjective. So it's called The God Who Is There. I'm just going to mm -hmm. say it's a great yeah. book. I love Francis Schaeffer. Yes. <laughs> He's amazing. Um, yeah, you put that all so well. That's so true that we we just see the erosion of of everything real. Like nothing is real. Yeah. Nothing is anything anything is nothing. It doesn't like, there's no definitions to words. Things don't mean anything. It's just, it's crazy. Like I can't even, I honestly still have to think through sometimes the terms like transgender man, transgender woman, gender right. or cisgender. I'm like, okay, I have to think about what does that mean? That's a man that became a woman or a woman that thinks she's a man. Like I, I just have to still, I, my brain has trouble to conceptualize because it's, it's not real. It's a distortion of reality. And so yeah. it's like, we're trying to find our way around this, this matrix, you know, <laughs> and we're, and it's not, and we're not really like, it's like, we're looking at the real world, but then on overlaid on top of it is this other CG world with, you know, codes and pathways and, and ways we're supposed to go. And we're, and, and we're always trying to see through, wait, is this the real world or is this the, the, the matrix world that's overlaid on what I'm seeing, which one is real and the world, yes. this one is real, but really I see the tree is right there, but you're telling me, no, that's a house. You're okay. That's a house, you know, and you're constantly in this like state of uh, dysphoria, you know, and uh, yeah. And cognitive well, and, dissonance. Yeah. And, and you see this because there will be uh, an issue in society that from scripture, we can clearly call it out for what it is. But then, you know, modern psychology and liberal scholars come in and they just slap terminology on things mm -hmm. and completely obscure it and distort it and then repackage it and present it as right. something, you know. And so we right. see that we're like, OK, so this mm -hmm. person is actually just lost and confused. Right. But we've repackaged it as this identity. Right. And yeah. And let me give a, a little tiny example of this that I just thought of that I, I remember seeing come up a few years ago. So I don't know if you're familiar with Jenna Kutcher, um, social media influencer. She has a, a big podcast and platform and stuff. She's a market digital marketing girl. Anyways, secular, not not a Christian necessarily. I don't think she is. But anyways, she um, she became like an airy model. You know, American Eagles underwear line airy. Like she became an airy model, and then she spoke out a lot about not touching up photos and, you know, not um, basically like untouched, 
you know, women. Yeah. So when that first started and Aerie now is like, this is part of their campaigns is that they do not retouch photos. I thought that's great. Like, that's awesome that you would not retouch photos of women in underwear because it obviously creates or swimsuits or whatever they're modeling, like that, you know, that other girls look at that and think that's what I'm supposed to look like. Like, that's not what I look like. And that's, that's good. I think that's a good thing that you're not retouching. Totally. Totally faking everything up. But then it moved into um, that movement. What I think began as like raw beauty, like whatever you are is okay. Yeah. Moved into fat positive. And like you mentioned, obese positive, which for anyone who's listening just means that now we're no longer saying that there is like that, that absolute, that health is, is something that can be measured or that you could say, mm-hmm. Hey, if you're, uh, you know, let's say your heart rate is this, this number you have, you have, uh, you might, you're in danger, you're in danger. Your health is at risk and you either need to lose some weight or like get your cardio, you know, you need to start walking, whatever it may be like there, that there is such a thing as, as objective standards for health. And it doesn't like, it doesn't mean everyone needs to be the same size. You need to be a size six or a size four, or you need to lose X amount of pounds. It's not necessarily about the number as much as it is about the fact that you recognize there is a way to be healthy for everyone. And that's going to look different for each of us. Totally. Um, It's a spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. But then fat positive will come and just in, and instead of acknowledging this very wide spectrum of health, yes. because I don't think it's narrow in any way, shape or form, instead right. of acknowledging that they just blow past it and say, there is no way to measure health yeah. and you can be 500 pounds and right. And unable it. to walk, and, unable to walk. Right. And that's, Actually, and that's beautiful. And <laughs> it's like, it, it's like, we need to differentiate between like, okay, you as a person, no matter what you weigh, no matter what you look like, your right. value and dignity. We're not saying you're not human. You're not worthy of love. We're not saying that you aren't even beautiful in your own way, that you are not made in the image of God. But that that is actually, if you were to be like the Bible does talk about being a glutton and being lazy and a sluggard. And if you live your life that way, glorifying that kind of lifestyle, like that's not glorifying to God. That's not you know, honoring the body that he's given you to be able to work. And he talks about, I mean, even the Proverbs 31 woman, she gets up early. She stays up late. Her family is clothed in scarlet. They're not afraid of the snow because she's working to clothe them. And she's having endeavors outside of the house to buy and sell a field and make money. And it's like, do you think someone like that is going to be literally stuck on a mattress, unable to move? Like, no, because <laughs> no, she, she does not bre- eat the bread of idleness. Right. She, you know, she eats the bread of her toil. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And so I, to kind of touch on that airy thing, because like, yeah, like a hundred percent, we should not retouch photos. We shouldn't only have skinny models. We shouldn't have this super narrow, uh, vision of beauty, but that doesn't mean that you know, it's like they make these non sequitur leaps to yeah. completely different conclusions. Right. And so there's a healthy place to remain in that and say, yeah, I'm, we're going to have models of all different types and yeah. shapes and sizes, and we're not going to retouch photos to an ideology that just denies the scientific facts of health. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Um, man, there's so many ways that this we're seeing this work out. I know we could talk forever. 
Um, what would you say to people who are, you know, struggling to understand their femininity and understand like what that looks like biblically in light of just what the world is saying and, and how many messages they're hearing from culture? What would be your encouragement to them? Yeah, I, I love this topic because I've worked through this and I'm still working through this myself. Um, I think it has to be understood that Femininity is not a cookie cutter mold. Biblical femininity is not a cookie cutter mold. And so while we are to, while we can look at other people and take inspiration, we can't just copy and paste other people onto ourselves. God has made you a unique person and you will express your femininity differently. You know, it also says at the end of Proverbs 31, that charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So seek the fear of the Lord mm-hmm. above seeking charm and beauty. Yeah. Um, and I think that's also a thing that the world gets wrong is because mm-hmm. they actually are so obsessed with outward manifestations of, of beauty that they'll put a man in a dress and say, he's expressing his feminine side. And I'm like, well, that's pretty narrow. Isn't that, you know, mm-hmm. cause you just have made a dress, the essence of femininity. So that's a separate right. discussion, but um, <laughs> you know, understanding that femininity is again a spectrum and it is characterized biblically by wisdom Mm -hmm. virtue kindness being a helper none of those have to do with how you decorate your house or whether Mm -hmm. you put on makeup Mm -hmm. or you know the way you talk right Mm -hmm. so um I mean obviously with gentleness respect (laughs) biblical yeah. Uh, fruit of the spirit. Yeah. Fruit of spirit. Right. So when you seek wisdom, like it says in Proverbs that you, you're to seek for it above silver and gold and to search for it like hidden treasure. When you do that, your own flavor of femininity is going mm-hmm. to arise and it's mm-hmm. not going to look like the person maybe you idolize. Mm-hmm. And I had to realize this for myself. You know, I didn't realize how much of a feminine movement there was, but coming into it, and feeling like, well, I don't wear makeup. I don't paint my nails. Like I don't decorate my house. And to realize that, that, that has nothing that doesn't define me. And it doesn't define the person who does do it either. They can do that. And it's just who they are Mm -hmm. in the Lord, but it's just an external. Um, So I just would encourage to go back to the, the question that if you are starting that journey, um, don't be so rigid or narrow-minded that you think you have to just become someone yeah that you're not made to be right and like I would even add that um because of the fall we will always struggle to fulfill our roles (laughs) it will always be a struggle so because of the fall, we will not necessarily feel right all the time about the role that we've been given by God we will we will often want more than we should want or want different things than we should want. And we will struggle to submit to our husband. I mean, we will argue, we will get into fights. We will um, resent our children when they wake up early from a nap and we don't get as many things done as we wanted to when, you know, whatever, fill in the blank that of the things that women deal with that are frustrating and make motherhood or make being a woman hard. um, There's a lot of them. And so I don't think it's, uh, I don't think that we look at those things and go, well, you just need to suck it up and you just need to, you know, fall in line and you just need to submit and, you know, sacrifice for your children. It's like, 
no, you need Jesus. You need need Christ's help in that moment to, to find your fulfillment in him, to find your peace and your comfort and your identity in him and what he says about you. Not because it's always for me, whenever I I do find myself in those places, I, I certainly war against my husband. I certainly argue with him unnecessarily. I certainly question his authority sometimes. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't like that. You said that, you know, I don't think, you know, and then it leads to a fight and, and then we have to apologize. But like, even in the, the mothering moments, uh, you know, which I I'm in the thick of right now, like it is, it is against my, my fleshly desires. Like a lot of the things that my kids demand from me or want from me. And the fact that I don't get to have free reign of my time, that other people demand things of my time. And that is an opportunity for me to submit to God ultimately, um, you know, and, and to, and to be reminded, like you said, of again, like shifting my perspective to thank you, God, for these children, or thank Mm -hmm. you for this husband. Thank you for this life. Thank you for what you've given me. This is a good gift. You said it was very good. When you created both man and woman, you said it is very good. And that means that it is. And if I'm having trouble seeing it as that, it's because the problem lies with me, not with you and not with what you did. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, you know, the truth and the truth will set you free. And to preach that to yourself that um, in Christ and in doing what Christ called me to, I'm actually the most free. Yes. I'm the most free when I like Jesus says, take up my cross daily and follow him. I'm the most free when I'm not living for myself anymore. And I'm living for him and for others, but, but our hearts are deceitful. And so they need to hear that over and over and over again. Yeah. So they do, which is why we did this podcast episode. So I hope it helped. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much, Annalise. Um, Where can people find you online and follow you? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram, uh, feminine, not feminist feminine underscore not underscore feminist okay um looking at other platforms I can you know potentially start up but that's where I'm at right now so and I will keep updating people there on where I can be found so yeah yeah. you're on the fast track to getting uh kicked off I think aren't you uh (laughs) we'll see yeah I mean no yeah anyone who pretty much like says anything that is objective is is on the short list oh yeah (laughs) you know yeah Oh, they man. stopped me from liking things for like a day because they were to, to protect the, the community. So <laughs> Yeah, they got to protect you, the community from you because you are yeah. like dangerous content. You shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> Meanwhile, protect. you know, it's, it's okay for women to put, you know, half naked pictures of themselves on there. That's fine. That doesn't, totally okay. that's not a risk. And of their children. Need. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's safe. We want to protect that. Oh my gosh. Well, it's nice to always talk with someone who is, um, you know, just sees reality and not the, not the matrix as the real thing. So thanks for sharing with us today. Thank you. (laughs) All right, guys, that is all I have for you today. So thank you for listening. Uh, share this episode with a friend if you found it encouraging and come say hi to me on Instagram this week. My handle is hayleywilliams.kindled. You can find show notes and a bunch of other stuff on my website at kindledpodcast.com. I will talk to you Friday if you're in Patreon. If not, see you next Monday.